I'm Amanda Pittman, and this is the Confident Woman Podcast. This podcast was created to equip you to stand confidently upon the finished work of Jesus. In this community, we'll talk about what you care about most, living shamelessly for Jesus, speaking unapologetically for truth, and bringing heaven to earth. So make yourself comfortable. We're going to chop it up, keep it real, and change the world. Welcome back to the Confident Woman Podcast. I am joined by my very handsome, very fine guest, Michael Jerome Whoa. Pittman. Whoa. The third. Whoa. The full government name. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having. Can I get uh, the. I was going to say, Ave got it. And I was expecting it, so. You know, I I just don't. I don't, I felt like it would be whack to do it twice in a row because then it's like, oh, I'm like a one trick pony. Okay, that's I get that's that. that's why I respect. I that. thought about doing it, but I'm like, oh dang, now I'm, you know I'm gonna be known as the bro, 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 bro girl. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things that you do. <laughs> And of all the content you create, you fear being known as the prefer prefer girl. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, where's her creativity? Yeah, I get it. No, it's all it's all good. It's all good. Trust me, it had nothing to do with your importance and everything to do with my ego. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Noted. Oh, I'm crying already. That's awesome. Well, I'm really excited about our topic for today. Mm-hmm. And the topic is, what do you bring to the table? Hmm. So this topic came about uh, via none other than Instagram. Yes. So uh, it was nine weeks ago. Michael and I were in Cabo. Yep. How was Cabo for you? Oh, Cabo was a whole vibe. It was, uh, We we've realized that we should have stayed about a day longer mm-hmm. um but it made me excited for our next vacation yeah it so. was fun it was a good time yeah. and uh, i posted a reel on instagram uh, and captioned it couples questions in cabo and mm-hmm. you know it's one of those like you know, you know, which one is the messy one or which one is the one who cooks more? It was one mm-hmm. of those things. And you just, you know, point to your partner and see how, you know, how much you guys agree. And, you know, one of those fun tongue in cheek things, you know. Mm-hmm. And so in this reel, mm-hmm. Michael happened to be the better cook <laughs> and he happens to be more patient. But it's so interesting, the some of the comments that I got on here. Ooh, spill the tea. I will spill the tea. A lot of them, most of them were very uh, kind and just, like, encouraging. Sure. So one said, what? Michael can throw down? I love this. Another was like, this is the cutest. I love this. Mm-hmm. You know, most of them were like that. However... However, hmm. um, one person said the D word. Well, there are many D words. It's D-A-M-N. Mm-hmm. Dang, Shardy, what do you bring to the table? <laughs> <laughs> and it got four likes. Oh. 
You know, you, you got to be checking the people who like it. Mm. Who, who are they? None of them follow me. They're just random people. So this reel at first just kind of went out to my audience, people who already knew us. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, this is so cute and sweet. But the thing about reels is that after a while, once it starts getting pushed out to people and it picks up traction, it just starts getting pushed out to a brand new audience. So that was what was happening. It was reaching a brand new audience, hence somebody who's cussing on my page because most of my followers don't cuss on my page because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's faith based. So there was that one. And then there was another one uh, that said, he's more patient, a better cook. Hmm. Sounds like besides looks, he got the short end of the stick. What does that even mean? (laughs) (laughs) It has 21 likes. Oh, my God. So quite a few people agree. Yeah. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, I responded. And I said, mm. LOL, I married up. What can I say? That was very humble of you. That was that was very kind of you. I, I actually believe that, though. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, but 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 the fact that you make sure you're close to the mic. Oh, yeah. OK. But the fact that like you didn't just like pop off. I don't know. It was just, you know, I've grown a lot. Yeah. Maybe maybe one would even call you patient. Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> like them apples. <laughs> and then someone commented in response to this person, uh-huh. you said what we all were thinking. Oh. I know. The tea thickens. I didn't the plot thickens. The plot thickens. <laughs> I guess it's like chai tea. Yo, like like, like people really just be they were going in. in the comment section doing that. That's wild. Yeah. This was before I was back on social media. So it, it was. So it takes like a little while to like get used to people caring, <laughs> caring, like going on your page and offering perspective and opinion on something that it's none of their business and was like fairly jovial. I don't know. It, it's just yeah. interesting to me. It was jovial, but I did kind of make it their business when I posted it sort of. Mm, okay. Okay, so, and then in response, another follower, mm-hmm. a kind follower, added me under the thread, at Amanda Pittman, hearts. Didn't even fall for that nonsense that was stated above. Beautiful, secure, blessed woman. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from your response right there. Just want to let you know. How about that? How about that? What's what's that follower's name? We're going to give him a shout out. Ashley underscore A. Thank you, Ashley underscore A. We love you. Let me pull up your your profile real quick. Ashley is an associate therapist and her Instagram says shine bright and it will inspire those around you to shine bright too. How about some hashtag positivity, some hashtags shine your light. I love that. I know. And then under that. Okay. Another random person said. Seems so. Brings more to the table hmm. in relation to you. Another person said, exactly. So there's another comment, but we'll, we'll ignore that one. Okay. Because <laughs> that's a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> if, y'all, if y'all have made it this far into the podcast, <laughs> watch your views are going to be up on like that post in right. particular. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's all like, a oh. part of my plan. <laughs> and the best part is, 
No one can stop me. No one can stop me. (laughs) (laughs) JK, I could care less. Um, So why do I I bring this post up? Because Mm -hmm. I think it opens up a really interesting conversation around the concept of bringing something to the table. Mm -hmm. And... um, I think this concept of, you know, what do you bring to the table stems from a scarcity mentality. Oh, okay. Continue. I'll say that as I was reading those comments, I was in no way threatened Mm -hmm. because I have one such security in myself and in in our relationship. Mm -hmm. And two, we are walking in so much abundance in our lives that I don't anticipate people to understand mm. what it's like for a relationship to feel that sweet. Mm. Yeah. So what's interesting is that even when we did that reel, it's like, oh, Michael's the better cook. What do you bring to the table? It's funny because even though I'm the better cook, how often do I cook? Rarely. Rarely. I if, mean, most of your cooking is air fryer cooking. Yeah. I'll throw like a, a piece of chicken or something in the air fryer or some like French fries in the air fryer. But like when it comes to actually cooking, like how I know how to do, I haven't done that. I don't, I rarely do that. I am much more likely, lately I've been eating much cleaner. So mm-hmm. I'm eating chicken, rice, broccoli, yogurt, you know, mm-hmm. fruit, protein shakes, stuff like that. But even before then, I'm much more likely to just get something from Chipotle, DoorDash, whatever, because spending my time going to the grocery store, getting groceries, making dinner, cleaning up pots and pans, only to be tired of the food that I cooked on Tuesday by Thursday and wanting to go out to eat anyway. And then we have kids who don't appreciate the difference between salmon or, well, they love salmon. Uh, But like, Mm -hmm. they don't know the difference between like chicken, steak and lamb, you know? Um, They don't know the difference between like a four cheese, creamy Alfredo versus pasta with butter (laughs) literal buttered noodles with (laughs) lemon pepper and lemon pepper or whatever elijah will have it with like a lowry's or salt lily we call her lemon pepper lily lemon pepper that girl loves her lemon she loves she'll put it on everything she'll put it on her grits totally her pasta she loves that she'll put it on her egg whites true story she asked for a lemon pepper fourth birthday party she did because she loves lemon pepper so much so it it actually doesn't even take like an incredible amount of financial abundance to buy pre-made meals from right. Sprouts or right. a HelloFresh. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's just a mentality yeah. that people have that I think comes from a limited view. I, I don't, I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you about saying scarcity, but I just feel like it's a limited perspective. And I agree with you. It is a very short-sighted, limited perspective and i also believe it's it pairs well with their scarcity mentality it's Mm -hmm. just like a nice little you know blockage in their head um 
I'm going to pull up uh, some of the th- questions that we answered. So the first one, 14 questions on the beach. Who apologizes mm-hmm. first after a fight? You and I both pointed at each other. Mm-hmm. That says a lot mm-hmm. that we can't even pinpoint the first person who apologizes after a fight because we're both quick to apologize. And we don't really fight. And when we do, we apologize. Yes. It's more so like a, a conversation. It's more so like a we're working through this or whatever. Yeah, totally. I I I can't even remember the last even one of those that we had. Yeah. I, I mean, I think when I think fight, I think it connotates like something that's really combative. Yeah, totally. But I think the way that I translated it was if one of us hurts one another. Sure. Okay. One of us expresses that who will apologize first oh it's okay just like, yeah for sure you know because we're not going to get in a fight you know like a fight like that just isn't a thing yeah we don't do that. that it's just not us no. and that's another thing some people can't wrap their minds around a couple that doesn't fight yeah you know so yeah. I, it like it, it really it, it's just we did this for fun but it really exposes the way that a lot of people think about relationships mm-hmm. and how you actually can live set apart when it comes to your relationships. Totally. And I will not be false humble when it comes to our relationship. We have a dang good marriage. Mm-hmm. Very good. Michael is my best friend. Some people would even use another D word. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. We have a really good marriage and I, I actually have, such confidence in our marriage that I would wish our marriage on anyone. Including our children. Including our children. If our children had the same caliber quality of marriage that we had, I would be like, well done. Mm-hmm. Well done. You did good, kid. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so um, another one of the questions was, who requires more attention? Me, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think what some people don't realize is, one person may require more attention, but that doesn't mean the other person doesn't get attention. Right. One person can be more patient, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean the other person is impatient. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the limited mentality comes into play. Mm-hmm. And our goal, my goal, even in exposing like this real and this conversation isn't to be defensive, mm-hmm. but more so my goal is to get us to expand the way that we think in so that we don't think things have to be this or that. Right. In so that we don't have this mentality of scarcity and limitedness when it comes to our relationships because Michael can be very intelligent. I mean, we can they could have asked us the question who's smarter. Both both of us would point to Michael cuz he is more intelligent than I am. Does that mean I'm dumb? Absolutely not. not at all. Not at all. I think that when we have this mentality of your win equals my loss, Mm. that's when we get into the place of scarcity. Mm. And I, that's what I was picking up from the comments on the reel. It's like, dang, Shouty, what do you bring to the table? I'm like, I actually bring a lot to the table 
First of all, because there are a lot of questions that weren't even asked. <laughs> it's like, okay, these are not the only standards. You know, I have a lot of skills and abilities and also some really amazing qualities that were not listed. Like you didn't ask who's more creative. You know what I mean? Right. Like totally. <laughs> you, you didn't ask any of those kinds of questions. Who right? impacts more people on a consistent basis. Right. And so, and like I said, my goal is not to be defensive, but my goal is to point out how ridiculous that mentality is. Mm -hmm. It is so quite ridiculous. And I think that if we have a mentality of your win equals my loss, whether in our platonic relationships with other women or other men or in romantic relationships, we will think that it is a tit for tat, keeping score. Mm. And if you live your life that way, you're not going to experience true love. I believe mm. you're not going to experience true love because true love keeps no record of wrongs. Mm. True love does not keep score. Mm -hmm. True love doesn't say, Oh, I'm better here. You're better there. You know, therefore I bring more to the table. Therefore it's not equal. Not once have I thought about Michael, what, what you bring to the table because it's more than evident. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're even asking that question, it goes to show you're looking for someone to meet some needs in you that you don't think you can have met otherwise. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Totally. That's what I have to say. Yeah, I think that it could also become dangerous because if you're going tit for tat in your relationships or what does this person bring to the table? Mm-hmm. Um, it makes you less patient to grow with people. Yeah. You're looking for someone to come out of the box, ready made. Yeah. Designed to be your platonic or relational companion. Um, and it also assumes like a place of maybe superiority. When people see things as like a zero sum game and I, I win, you lose, you win, I lose. Then it's hard to really authentically cheer people on mm -hmm. when they do, quote unquote, better than you. Ooh, talk about that. Because when they do better than you, then it is an indictment on you mm. and your skill sets, your ability, mm -hmm. your whatever. Right. And that's just not the way that successful people think. Yeah. Like there are people who I coach in business. And I'm literally like, I hope and pray that you become better than me. Yeah. You you should. I, I hope my kids become better than me. Like mm -hmm. I'm giving them a much further head start. You know, mm -hmm. even with, like I said, with my business coaching clients from before, I'm giving you a head start. You don't have to make any of these mistakes from the beginning. And now you're able to like go forth and prosper. Yeah. Without having to bump your head, you know, versus individuals who be like oh you know you gotta pay your dues right earn your stripes mm -hmm. that's that's just yeah that's just trash behavior you know yeah. unfortunately we <sighs> the thing is people are gonna have to pay their dues and earn their stripes to be successful regardless sure on different levels but what you can do is at least start them out with resources you never had and mm. knowledge you never had yeah. And that's another mentality of abundance. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you're not threatened or concerned if someone starts out further than you did. Right. You know? Um 
there is a time in Michael and I's relationship. There, there have been times where I've been the breadwinner. There have been times where he's been the breadwinner. And it's always worked out really well for us mm-hmm. in whichever season. Uh, now we're at a place now to where Michael has been exceedingly the breadwinner. <laughs> and I don't necessarily envision it changing. It's possible, but I just don't envision it. But even if it did, neither of us would care. Right. Right. And the thing is, I am taking my breadwinning. Yeah. And I'm putting it into joint investments. Right. For us. Yeah. That one day will pay us. Our money will pay us more than we are able to make through our efforts on our own. Right. And then we will both be co-breadwinners because we will both have ownership over the investments and the assets that we have. Yeah. Another mentality of abundance. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so if if we had this tit for tat or scarcity mentality, we would be keeping score of who's who's doing more dishes, who's hanging out with the kids more, who's making more money, who's doing more in ministry, who's this, who's that. And then when you think that way, it really does become, well, what do you bring to the table? Because then you have something to hold over someone else's head and say, at least I'm doing this. Yeah. You're not doing that. And it becomes a competition. Yeah. And if you have that kind of mentality whenever it comes to relationships, I don't think you'll experience true love. Mm. Because love, love is inviting. Mm. Like when I'm experiencing really good food, Mm -hmm. I want to share it with you. Mm -hmm. I want you to taste it. Mm -hmm. I want to experience it with you. And it's the same thing with all aspects of my life. If I grow in patience, then we both benefit from it. We both get to taste that and experience that. Yeah, totally. If I make more money, if Michael makes more money, if one of us grows in a specific skill, we are so eager to share that with one another because why? We love one another. Totally. And I think that there's so much more to marriage than just surviving, Mm -hmm. figuring out to have a, how to have a functional household. That's the bare minimum. Yeah. And the thing is, if you're actually friends first, companions first, you legitimately like one another, Mm -hmm. then you're going to figure out how to have a functional household. Yeah, for sure. Because you're friends. Yeah. And so when I'm, whenever I'm reading those comments like those, I'm thinking to myself, Mm -hmm. are you looking for genuine companionship or are you looking for a maid are you looking for a cook are you looking for some arm candy Mm. and i can tell by the way that they said that because they said besides looks Mm. what do you bring to the table and so to me that mentality is you can make me look good by your image but you can't do anything else for me Mm. so what i'm hearing is you're not looking for friendship Mm. you're not looking for companionship. You're looking for somebody to fit all of these different roles in your life. Yeah. You know, I, I, I recently heard, I heard this recently and I've heard it years ago that um, whenever men and women look at women in general, we see body parts. We kind of de- deconstruct them. We'll say, we'll see hair. We'll see legs. We'll see lips. We'll see makeup or whatever it may be. We'll see outfits. And generally when men and women look at men, 
they see a whole person. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And so our society has kind of deconstructed because we feel like, especially with the porn industry and a lot of industries that, um, you know, the beauty industry, the fashion industry, it, it, it preys on women feeling like they're disjointed and you're just a combination of body parts. And when men think that they can just build a woman, mm-hmm. then even when you look at her qualities, I'm not even just talking about physical, mm-hmm. but even when you just look at her soft skills, her internal qualities, you're not going to think this is a whole person whom I can love. This is a whole person whom can be my best friend, who can be my companion. You're thinking, do she cook? Do she clean? Mm-hmm. You're deconstructing her. You're not even seeing her as a whole person. Right. And so I think true love sees their companion as a whole person as opposed to parts of a whole. Yeah, I think that what you're describing just shows not only the deconstruction of women, but like the dehumanization mm-hmm. of women mm-hmm. as well. And seeing them only as tools or means to an end to get a desired result Mm -hmm. and you mentioned the porn industry earlier that's within a sexual context but when you look at the way that certain people view certain roles within the household Mm -hmm. then it, it plays itself out in does she cook clean whatever and it's really weird because many men want their wives to be in traditional roles mm-hmm. but they aren't willing to be a traditional man you ooh, okay you want her to be the breadwinner mm-hmm. and take care of the kids mm-hmm. and wash the dishes mm-hmm. and do all the things while you play xbox yep as the head of the household like mm-hmm. i don't like i just don't right i just don't that doesn't I don't get it. You know, it's like if you want there to be a traditional role for the wife in that manner, if it is something she even wants to do, then maybe you have a conversation on keeping her at home to where the only focus that she needs to have is taking care of kids, cleaning or doing whatever roles that you guys decide because it's your relationship. And then you go out there, you hustle, you work, and you bring home the bacon. I, I was about, I said the breaking because I was thinking about bringing home the bacon and bringing home the bread. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, and it just came out as the breaking. breaking. Bring you know? home the bacon. <laughs> but, like, that's what I, I could understand that making sense. I think it's really strange when people ascribe certain roles that individuals should fall into without understanding the context of that relationship. Tell me more. What do you mean by that? Like people were like, Oh, like what do you bring to the table, Amanda? It's like, okay, you don't live in our house. So you don't know the context of our relationship. You don't see Amanda getting the kids ready for school or packing up lunches or getting them in their nighttime PJs or doing whatever while I'm, hey, babe, I need to run to the office. Hey, I have this meeting. Hey, right. I have to travel mm-hmm. to God knows where to speak to, you know, these students, you know, El Reno, Oklahoma, yeah. as of recently, 
hey, can you hold it down at the house with both kids? You know? Yeah. It's, it, it, but they didn't ask any of those questions yeah. in the 60-second Instagram reel. Right. You know? So I just, once again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about people just having a limited paradigm. Yeah. And an uninformed perspective without any context. Yeah. But unfortunately, because of parasocial relationships mm-hmm. that exist mm-hmm. in our world today, you can see the parts of the life of a person and believe you actually know more about their life yeah. than you do. Thus feeling like you have the right, which you don't, mm-hmm. but the right to make a judgment mm-hmm. when in reality, the judgment that you're making is very much so partially informed. Yeah. Which makes you uninformed. Totally. 100%. Yes. And that's why I have a bone to pick with the phrase perception is reality. I've already said this on my Instagram, but I will say it again because mm. I hate that phrase. <laughs> I hate it. I don't know if there's a phrase that you hate more. I don't anything. think that there's a phrase I hate more. Yeah. I hate that phrase. Yeah. Because your perception of our relationship is not reality. Yeah. You have no idea what reality is from what you can perceive. Mm. Like, that's so stupid. (laughs) I just want to punch something. Like, I cannot stand that phrase. Anyways, (laughs) I want to go back to something that you said about, um, you know, men playing the traditional roles if they want a traditional woman. Yeah. And um, I think this, this makes me think about how women in society are conditioned to be chosen mm-hmm. while men in society are conditioned to be the pickers. Mm. In my own experience, and I just had a conversation with this with um, Heather Thompson Day um, another podcast guest I had. And one of the things I was telling her was before I got in a relationship with you, mm-hmm. it was the best man I've ever been with um, and will ever be with. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're going to have to run that back because what it sounded like was you <laughs> saying before I was in a relationship with you, I was with the best man I had ever been oh, with. Oh, no, no, and no, no, so no, I just no. Us, I just just go ahead and rewind that back a little bit. Before I was in a relationship with the Michael Jerome Pittman the third, uh-huh. whom is uh-huh. the best man I have ever been with? Well, and will ever be with. Yes, there we go. Okay. Before that, my mentality behind relationships was: if you want me, then I will be with you. Because what that does is it validates that at least I'm wanted. Mm. At least I'm desired. Mm -hmm. And so I don't even have to like you. I want to say you, I think there was maybe one other dude whom I legitimately liked Mm -hmm. that I was in a relationship with and it was very short lived. Mm. Every other guy that I had been with up until Michael was a dude I didn't even like. Mercy. You were trying to like him. (laughs) I was trying to like him. But I didn't. Right. So why was I with him? Because it validated that at least I was desired. At Mm. least I was wanted. Mm. And 
I want to talk about that a little bit because I know I can't be the only one. Mm -hmm. I know that there's got to be some other women who you will try to alter your entire persona, everything about your appearance, everything about your voice, everything about all of your skills so that you can get a man. Mm. And it won't even be a man you like Mm -hmm. just because you want to be wanted, just because you want to be chosen. Mm. I want to know, do you feel like any men ever deal with this mentality or do you think that because they're traditionally the pickers they think oh no i can do better or i got options or what do you think yeah i mean i believe that simultaneously while women are changing themselves many times men are lowering their standards (laughs) and so you have a guy settling for a woman that he didn't have to necessarily change for. Mm. But she is not necessarily his standard. She's a filler Mm -hmm. to take up space and time Mm -hmm. and to be a body. Yeah. While on the flip side, women are changing and modifying themselves for maybe the same type of man or any man who will give them attention and validation. Um, I think both come from a spirit of rejection. Mm, Really? Why is that? Well, many times I can think of certain contexts that I've experienced this in. It's like, well, I am going to play it safe with someone who I feel like is a lower standard because maybe I had been rejected by someone who I actually liked. Mm. And so in place of that, I am using the validation of this woman who is at a lower standard to maybe build up my self-esteem and self-confidence and to give me some level of companionship when in reality, I have no vision of a long-term future with this person. Or, unfortunately, sometimes what happens is, you know, a a child may come into the picture Mm -hmm. or a situation may come into the picture or there just may be some level of complacency to where they make that a long-term decision and choice, which is a massive mistake. Yeah. But it happens. So... That's how I feel, you know, it plays out Mm -hmm. with men many times. Yeah. I think that's definitely true. They'll be with filler people. Totally. Um, And it breaks a lot of women's hearts because I think deep down women want to be with someone whom they know truly likes them Mm -hmm. and truly loves them. Mm. Um. And that they're not being used or yeah. strung along. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but women are over here doing similar things. They are. They're over here with a dude who they don't truly like. Mm-hmm. Who they don't true wouldn't otherwise see a future with. Mm-hmm. But they don't think that they could do better. Mm. So how do you think men and women can build and establish a healthy self-image 
so that they don't settle in their relationships Mm -hmm. and so that they build a foundation for an abundantly loving marriage. Yeah. I mean, one of the first things that come to my mind is competency. Um, I believe that when you are competent at something, you typically have a healthy self-image around that thing. Um, I know that in my life there have been certain skills that I've picked up that over time I've become so competent in them that I have a high self-image in that particular area. I, I don't. I, I think it can be really rare for people to have a high self-image about every single thing that they do in life. Like there are certain things that I am much more comfortable in and confident in than others. Can I push back on that? Sure. I think that there's a difference between self-image and self-efficacy. Okay. And I believe what you're referring to is more so self-efficacy. Okay. Which is your belief in your capability to do something. Mm. And so, yes, I believe competency is important, but I believe you can have a a totally positive, healthy self-image without being good at everything. You, you, can, you can have a healthy self-image without doing it all. And that's not what I was trying to communicate. But do you feel like you can have a healthy self-image without being good at anything? I don't, but nobody's not good at anything. But there are people who literally believe that they're not good at anything, which makes them question, which makes them feel some type of way about themselves. Okay, I think without knowing that thing that you're referring to, it's hard to fully understand what that would even look like. Yeah. Without an example. For sure, for sure, for sure. I get that. And and honestly, it's an area, I mean, if we're being transparent, that I I find a lot of of self-image in being competent and achieving mm. personally. Okay. I mean, salutatorian of my high school class, graduated with an engineering degree, you know, one of the youngest mutual fund brokers in the country. Like the list goes on and on and on. And I think that if something, God forbid, happened to me to where I was no longer able to speak and communicate for a living or if I wasn't able to do certain things that it would absolutely destroy my self-image. Even me knowing I am loved and I am a child of God and Jesus died for my sins, like for sure. But personally for me, and I'm not even saying that this is like prescriptive or it should be that way for anybody else. But for me, it's like, I find a lot of, um, my self-image wrapped up in achievement and accomplishment. Hmm. That's interesting because I think it's not possible to not find any of it there. But to hear you say 
if I could no longer speak and this, that, and the other went down the drain that my self-image would go with it, I don't think I knew that about you. Yeah. I think I figured you'd still think you're the man and you'll bounce back and you're resilient and you have God on your side and you have the right people around you that'll help hold you up and you have a conviction that's going to override it. And you're, you know, like that's the, that's the Michael I know. Totally. And I would likely think that if there was a hope for that. Yeah. And so in what context would there be no hope? Like if, and I'll use past tense terms, if I would have gotten into um, a car accident three years ago and I could not move my arms, legs, and I couldn't put together sentences or I was like, I had to use like a machine, like um, Stephen Hawking or something, you know, I think that that would, I think that that would affect my self-image. And of course that is like a complete like, Extreme. Extreme and aberration. But many times when I think about, if I have a theory on something, I'll think in extremes. Because if something is applicable to a small degree, then it would remain applicable to an extreme. Um, So that's, like I said, an extreme. You know, I think that no matter what comes my way, I'll be able to bounce back with most things. But I definitely believe that it would be, for me personally, it would be um, optimistic at best to believe that my self-image would not be impacted. I think that there's a difference between your self-image is impacted and your self-image is destroyed. Because I believe that your self-image can be impacted and it actually be an opportunity for massive growth. I would agree with that. Oh, for sure. And then you feel like a boss because you bounce back from that. Yeah, 100%. I I am right there with you. So in terms of what you're saying, I actually don't believe you. Okay. Like, I don't believe a word you're saying. Okay. I think to a certain degree your self-image would be impacted if something drastic happened. Sure, 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 sure. But the Michael I know, first of all, is a child of God and does have the favor of God on his life. The hand of God is on his life. It is anybody who knows Michael Pittman knows how freaking favored he is. It's not even (laughs) fair how favored he is, but it is fair because his favor rubs off on me because I'm his wife. There you go. That's what makes it fair. That's what makes it fair. But favor really ain't fair. It's just like, he just got all the good qualities, you know, just, it's He just has so much favor. First of all, first and foremost, you're a child of God who is highly favored. Right. No cap. Right. You really are. I I, I definitely am. Very favored. 100%. 1000%. And second of all, you're very What's the word I'm looking for? Resourceful. Totally. You're, you're resourceful, creative, scrappy. Mm-hmm. You, you're a figure outer. I, I would figure it. I would figure it out. Exactly. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the four components of confidence. And right now I'm talking about clarity. And in clarity, it's all about knowing who you are, knowing your identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. So He is a child of God. He is favored. 
and defining your God-given design. And I know the, the way that God has designed him. He is brilliant. He's smart. He's also very positive and optimistic. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because a lot of his optimism becomes because he thinks about these worst case scenarios. And it I, makes him more optimistic. That's uh, exactly so funny. <laughs> we can talk about that later. But that's literally what makes him optimist, uh, optimistic. Um, so I'm thinking about all of these incredible qualities that you have. Your mind is your greatest asset because you, you have a phenomenal mind. So if everything was taken away from you, but you still had your salvation in Christ, and you still had your mind, Michael Pittman's still going to win because you were the winner that I know. For sure. Point blank, period. For sure. And then when it comes to your connections, you're going to have me. You're going to have your mom. You're going to have your strong support system, all your bros that you go out to lunch with. Mm -hmm. You are not without, and you have God. So that's the connection piece. There's uh, there's, um, clarity, which is knowing your identity and defining your design. Mm -hmm. And then there's the connection piece. He has a strong connection with the Lord and strong connection with a very great community Mm -hmm. who would hold him up and would not let him sink into despair. Mm -hmm. And then whenever it comes to competency, if you were like Stephen Hawking, you would be a better Stephen Hawking than Stephen (laughs) Hawking. You would be evangelizing to people. You know, he was just using his brain to show how smart he was. And, you know, he was not saved. Mm -hmm. That man was an atheist. Mm Mm-hmm. Michael would be like Stephen Hawking, but getting people saved even better. He would be preaching sermons from the freaking hospital bed, preaching sermons. And then the conviction piece. I believe you'll have a conviction that your life matters, that no matter what happens to you, you still have a responsibility Mm -hmm. and you still have authority. And so I believe that yourself, if the, if that, crazy scenario happened i do believe your self-image would be impacted but i don't think it would be destroyed i actually think that you would you're so resilient you would you would become everything you're supposed to be from the hospital yeah so taking your question on how people can grow in their Mm self-image that you just asked about Mm -hmm. i think that you revealed a lot in what you just said. Mm-hmm. There, you'll have to grow in your resilience. You'll have to grow in um, your the way that you see things in your in your perspective. And oftentimes, those things happen through hard times. Yeah, and things that are difficult, and things that require patience, um, like maybe even waiting on the right person. Yeah. Or feeling lonely at times. And I think that those things, there's that scripture in James to say like, um, let patience have its perfect work so that by the end of it, you'll be mature and complete, needing nothing. Mm -hmm. And I believe that a big part of self-image is saying, if I have God, then I truly need nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. If I know my identity mm-hmm. and I'm clear on that, then there's nothing in this world that could make me think or feel otherwise. Mm-hmm. So those that, that's my perspective on it. Yeah, that's why I think it's so important for us to place our identity in something that can't be taken away from us. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, like if you place your confidence, if you place your value, your significance in something that can be taken away from you, 
then if that goes, your self-image goes with it. If that goes, your confidence goes with it. If that goes, your faith goes with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the scripture even talks about the different seeds that are scattered. Mm-hmm. Some some fall on rocky soil. Some the birds come eat it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it, and it represents our different responses to faith, and if our faith is genuine. Mm-hmm. And so, if a if the cares of life can quench out your faith, mm-hmm. then is it genuine, mm-hmm. right? Like if the uh, the lure of wealth can quench out your faith, then is your faith genuine? Mm-hmm. You know, like if everything coming crashing down and all of these things being taken away from you can take away your faith, is your faith genuine? But if you do have a rooted identity in Christ, a rooted value in Christ, a rooted significance in Christ, then everything can be taken away from you or everything can be given to you. And you still have your confidence. Mm -hmm. You still have everything that you need. How does someone not get their self-image wrapped up in something that they are continuously celebrated for? Mm. because I think that that plays a part in it. Mm-hmm. Like my entire life, I was told I was intelligent. My entire life, mm-hmm. I was told I was going to be successful. My entire life, I was told things about myself. Um, those seeds were planted by my parents and grandparents. You mm-hmm. know, some people grow up thinking like, oh, hearing like, oh, no one never told me they were proud of me. No one believed in me. I was literally the exact opposite. My family was like, oh, you're probably going to be the first doctor in the family. You're going to be this. You're going to be this. You're going to be this. Um, And a lot of the things that they spoke and the seeds that they planted, you know, came to fruition. And it's celebrated. And there are qualities about whether it be a skill set in business or whatever that people celebrate me for that some people even compensate me for. So how do you completely remove your self image from something that you are constantly celebrated for? That's a good question. I want to bring up a scripture. I'm going to pull it up real quick. Yeah. I'm going to read from revelation four. I'll start in verse one and then I'll skip. Okay, so Revelation 4, verse 1, I'm in the New Living Translation. It says, Then as I looked, and this was John, who's a prophet, and he had this essentially an open vision of uh, something that God wanted to show him. And so that's this is what he's recalling. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like Jasper and Carnelian. The glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their head. And now I'm going to skip down to um, verse 9. 
Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. And in this scripture, I see a picture of people or beings that have glory. But they give the glory back to God. Mm. Sometimes people will say, well, God will not share in his glory. And I, I think they're quoting something from like the Old Testament. But that is not the case when you look throughout the scriptures of the New Testament. Actually, a huge part of the promise of the gospel is that we do share in his glory, that we will be re- resurrected and given renewed bodies and be glorified with Christ and be with him, unified with him. Um, and that is the hope of the gospel. And we will reign with him as, you know, a, a kingdom unto him, a people unto him. And so we will share in his glory. And in that, that means we will have glory. Mm-hmm. And so whenever glory is bestowed upon us, what we need to do is give it back to him. Whenever we're crowned with glory, whether in this life or the next, what we need to do is lay those crowns back at his feet and say, God, you are the worthy one. Mm. Because I could not have created these qualities in and of myself. I wasn't the one who put the words in my mouth. Mm -hmm. I wasn't the one who fashioned my brain. Everything good in me came from you. Therefore, you God are worthy. Yeah. That's good. That's that's a great answer. Um yeah, I think at the end of the day, we have so little control over what happens in our life. And by that I mean we don't get to choose the parents that we were born to. We don't get to choose the era that we were born in. Like there are so many things in this life that we have control over. But there are many or that we can make decisions on, but it seems like there's obviously a lot that we don't have control over. Um, and so I think that understanding that keeps a posture of humility in our hearts when good things happen. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we understand that there were certain strings that were pulled that were out of our control that the Mm -hmm. Lord allowed that allow for us to be what we are. Yeah. When I think about God, he can place his identity in what he does and he's the only one who can. Sure. Because what he does and who he is, is one and the same. Yeah, absolutely. He is love. Therefore he loves, Mm -hmm. you know, he is miraculous. Therefore he performs miracles. That is, who he is and that's what he does. Now, when we look at Lucifer, mm-hmm. when he was an angel, he was a created being. And so being a created being who had so much glory, mm-hmm. who had so much talent, you know, he, he was over the music in heaven and 
Um, he was beautiful. He wanted to take all of that glory for himself. Sure. And no created being is designed to bear the praise that God was designed to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so many times we, we create idols, you know, like we idolize people, we idolize Beyonce, we idolize pastors, you know, mm-hmm. and what that does is it gives human beings who never even had control over who they are to begin with are receiving glory that and praise that they cannot contain Mm -hmm. and it destroys them. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that if we place our identity in what we do and we place our significance and our value, all of it in what we do, Mm -hmm. it will destroy us in the same way that it destroyed Lucifer. Mm. it will ruin us if we want to maintain a right perspective of who we are in light of God. It's saying, Lord, thank you that I get to share in your glory. Mm-hmm. Lord, thank you that you've given me good things. Thank you that you've given me good qualities. Thank you that I, I'm even like honored mm-hmm. for this. Thank you for honoring me and elevating me. Thank you. And then giving him the praise that's due his name. I really believe that's what can keep us humble as God elevates us. And that's, I also believe where we get to enjoy and the abundance of sharing in his glory without Mm -hmm. that destroying us. So that was really powerful. And just a thought that I'll end with is that as Lucifer was cast in hell, like there were other angels that went with him. Angels that, well, now demons that are serving him, doing his work. Um, And the Bible doesn't necessarily make it clear, but they may even be still giving Lucifer glory. Mm. And the same thing can happen in our own lives. Mm. If we try to take the glory for ourselves that only belongs to God, there are people now who are trying to do that. And there are people around them who are serving them. Mm Mm-hmm lifting up them and their name, but they're living in a living hell Mm. because they don't have the peace of God Mm. and the spirit behind them. Mm. So I think that everything that you said makes sense. I think that as believers, it's just important for us to be cognizant of that so that that way Mm -hmm. we don't make the same mistake. Yeah. And that's why we need to place our identity in Christ Mm -hmm. and not in what we do because that will last forever. Amen. All right, guys, that's the end of today's conversation. If you're part of the Confident Woman community, then do your part. Leave a review, a five-star podcast rating, and spread the word. If you haven't already, join our online community at confidentwomanco.com where you can surround yourself with like-minded Christian women. And follow us on Instagram at confidentwomanco. As always, stay confident.